Let us first turn to John 14 this morning. John chapter 14, I want to read for you verses 1 through 7. Verses 1 through 7. A passage I'm sure is very familiar to all of you. Listen carefully to God's holy, infallible word. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can, you, how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do, not, you do know, know him and have seen him. Turning back to Mark 9... Verses 33 through 37, once again. Mark 9, 33 through 37. And they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent. For on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a, a child and put him in the midst of them, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, register upon our hearts that you are the one that has sent thy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, for us, for he is the sole way to salvation. He is alone the one who deliver us from our sin and enables us to go forth unto the glory of thy name. 
O Lord, bless thy people here this morning concerning knowing the way of salvation. In Christ's name, amen. You love the gospel, don't you? It is music to your ears and sweetness to your soul. To have Jesus in your heart is a blessing beyond description. Through his spirit, Christ provides love when love seems absent. Peace when there seems to be no peace. Wisdom when wisdom seems to be absent. Counsel when counsel seems so confusing. Comfort when comfort seems so distant. In terms of our personal life in the gospel, life in the spirit, as opposed to life in the flesh, is a treasure that takes our hearts, that takes our souls into the supernatural realm of religious intimacy with our heavenly father and his son, who gave himself freely for our sins. What we must remember is that as the Holy Spirit applies the gospel to our hearts, the Spirit is applying what God's hand has attained for his people in his historical revelation. Let us turn our hearts this morning to, an incre- to the, his incredible hand and design, the design of God's beautiful providence in bringing the gospel to a reality in history. An important term appears in Mark's text to which we have not given any attention. It is good to pause this morning to give special attention to this term because it has incredible, incredible significance for the unfolding of the gospel in history. What is this significant term? The term is simply this, the word way. The word way. In our text this morning, it is used first by Christ as he and his disciples traveled to Capernaum. Christ says this, what were you discussing on the way? Verse 33, as Mark remarks that the disciples were arguing about who is the greatest Mark takes up Christ's term here and states that on the way, the disciples were engaged in an argument. Perhaps you remember that Christians in the apostolic church were known as the way, the way. 
Paul, before his conversion, was known for persecuting those who belonged to the way. Acts 9, verse 2. Even calling the way a heresy or a sect. But it was on the way to Damascus that the glorified light of Christ reveals himself to Paul to bring him unto himself. Whereas the way to Jerusalem would be death for those who believed in the way as it was for Christ. If you examine the term way in the process of God's historical revelation, it should not be surprising that it became the term to describe the exact followers of Jesus Christ in the early church. The term is packed. It is packed with the wealth of God's covenantal relationship with his people in the Old Testament until its finality in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed, as we hear from the lips of Christ himself recorded in John's gospel, the reason that we read that this morning, Christ is the way and the truth. And the life, no one comes to the Father except by me. Christ is the only way to his Father in heaven. There is no other way, no other road, no other path, no other route to the God who alone created all things, controls all things, knows all things, sustains all things. For this reason, you can understand that there is a good revelatory explanation for the term way becoming the name used to describe for the first Christians. Congregation each of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke have the theme we are going to look at this morning. It is essential to the gospel message which God's providence has brought forth in our Savior. If you just want to focus on your own individual relationship with Christ, then what these Gospels are saying and what God has done in crafting his salvation, his saving revelation for sinners in Christ, will be lost in your own self-centered heart. Since so many Christians are still me and I-centered, they find it difficult to submit to the sovereignty of God and his whole counsel orchestrating the very path of his saving revelation in sending Jesus Christ, his son, to redeem sinners. God's divine election of Israel begins with their distinctive identity as a people in this world. 
They are nomads, wanderers, pilgrims on earth, being taken by God on the way, the road, the path designed by God for their salvation. For Israel, it begins with God entering a covenant with Abram and calling him out of harem when he was 75 years old with Sarai and his nephew Lot to a land that God will show him. Although God brings them to a temporal land of Canaan, we are told by the author of Hebrews a truth that is real, not only for the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, but it also will hold true for the way of God's people throughout the entire Old Testament. That is, they will be exiles, they will be strangers on earth who desire a better country. What is that better country? It's a heavenly one. It's heaven itself. The way, the path, the root of God's covenant people has always been to heavenly glory. Basking, basking in the presence of God only through the righteousness of Christ. As I stated, the Old Testament is packed with this, with God's revelation of the way. If you want to do it, if you want to go home, if you have a very comprehensive concordance, go home and look up the word way and just look and try to follow it. We're only going to touch a little bit of the iceberg this morning concerning this revelation in the history of God dealing with his people. So what we are going to do is we're just going to highlight two disclosures of God's super supernatural revelation with respect to the way this morning. First, the exodus, which keeps us in touch with Mark's wilderness theme of his gospel, which we have been stressing. And secondly, of course, as we have read this morning, as we did in the terms of the call of worship, Isaiah's prophecy, which is so evident in each gospel. Concerning the exodus, keeping his oath of covenant love to their forefathers, God comes to deliver, comes to save the children of Israel out of the bondage of Egypt. Yes, the bondage of slavery, which is also an emblem of bondage to sin in biblical revelation. God's deliverance puts them on a route in the wilderness, into that wilderness, which embodies the life of God's people upon the earth. This is not their final home. God directs the route, the way which the Israelites take by the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Exodus 13, 21 through 22. 
The cloud and the fire assure the people of God's presence. God's presence with them. God is walking alongside, alongside his wandering pilgrim people as he directs them and their way in the wilderness. Now listen to the word of the Lord through the psalmist. Through the psalmist. Concerning the exodus through the Red Sea on dry ground. Your way, Psalm 77, 19 and 20. Your way was through the sea. Your path through the great waters. Yet your footprints were unseen. You led the people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Yes, indeed, as Moses writes, the Lord went before Israel in the way to seek you out a place to pitch your tents in fire by night and in cloud by day to show you by what way you should go. Deuteronomy 133. The way of deliverance, the way of salvation from the bondage in Egypt is meticulously directed by the sovereign mercy and grace of God's providence upon his covenant people. And we must not miss this message from the Lord after the giving of the law in Exodus 23, verses 20 through 21. Behold, I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Pay careful attention to him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. That angel is a pre-incarnate Christ. That is the interpretation that has come of understanding that angel in the history of Reformed interpretation. After all, the way in the wilderness will also serve as a pilgrim journey of trial. Where God as a father will discipline his son Israel. Israel will often fail in these trials. We all know of the construction and worship of the golden calf. Their failure to obey Yes, rebel against the Lord's voice, his law of sanctified worship of his name. Indeed, the Lord describes their disobedience against the first two commandments as departing from the way of deliverance into the promised land. Exodus 32, 8. He brings his just wrath upon about 3,000 unrepentant hearts. But as we come to the end of Israel's wilderness journey, Moses speaks these words. The rock, that is the Lord, 
His work is perfect for all his ways are just. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. Deuteronomy 32.4. Now Isaiah. As we pick up briefly on God's prophecy through Isaiah, the revelational theme of the way continues to make its directive through the wilderness. Through the wilderness. In the past, Israel's directional way in the wilderness has been tainted by deviating from the way of redemption into a world of sin and depravity. Obedience to the law has not been a prize in their hearts. Israel has often been characterized as turning to their own way. Yes, the Lord, with Isaiah's voice, pleads with Israel in Isaiah 55. We read from that this morning. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. In light of such a text, are you not thrilled? To know that as the Lord calls those who forsake the way, their way of sin, by sincere repentance, we are reminded of the vast and holy distinction between the creator and the creature. Read on there in Isaiah 55. See that great distinction between the creator and the creature. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Are you not thrilled in view of the sinful thoughts and ways of Israel, our own sinful ways and thoughts, that our God's perfect thoughts and ways are higher, higher than our unholy thoughts and ways. Oh, the words of the Lord through Isaiah are just so sweet to our souls. Considering these passages, get ready. <laughs> yes, are you ready for our gracious, merciful, compassionate, and forgiving Lord to prepare his way for the deliverance and the redemption of his people in the wilderness? Isaiah 40, verse 3. No more, no more. 
Will there be a crooked highway in the wilderness following the seductive ways of the world? No, the Lord is bringing a straight, a straight highway for himself. One that is righteous and just and holy. One that is not subject to sin. In fact, the way coming in this wilderness that pardons sin, the desert floor is transformed to be absolutely level. Think about that. What does the text say? The valleys are lifted up. (laughs) The mountains are made low. Rough places made plain. What a level plane it is. This is the way. This is the highway in which the glory of the Lord is revealed. Where the grass withers, the flower fades. But the word, the word of our God will stand forever. Congregation, right after Mark declares the first verse of his gospel, the undeniable identity of the person he is writing about. Yes, the gospel, the gospel of good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Mark takes his reader to the exact words of Isaiah's prophecy immediately in his gospel. The day is here, congregation. Do we understand? Do you understand? The day has arrived in God's providential plan to redeem sinful man. The messenger, John the Baptist, has been sent to prepare the way for the good news of salvation in the person and work of Jesus Christ. John's voice cries out aloud in the wilderness. Yes, that wilderness theme and the way unto redemption from sin. John prepares the way for our covenant Lord, the Lamb of God, who will be stricken, smitten, afflicted, pierced, and crushed for our transgressions and iniquities. John the Baptist prepared the world for this pathway to be taken by our Lord. It is a path that is straight all the way through the wilderness. Yes, Israel's entire history failed to secure a straight way a straight path through the desert. But Christ 
taking up the mantle from John the Baptist prophecy and Isaiah walks the highway alone. Only Jesus can walks the highway alone in the wilderness. As he walks the way in the wilderness on our behalf, it is absolutely straight. Absolutely straight. Securing the gracious, merciful, righteous, just, and forgiving deliverance for his people. Mark has been diligent in his submission to the history of God's revelation connecting the way of salvation to the wilderness. From the very beginning of his gospel, Jesus' way of challenging his people's hearts has been Mark's total focus. But since chapter 8, verse 27, the straight highway that Christ has been taking for each of us, for each of us, has become more clearly defined. Do not miss it. He is going to Jerusalem where he will suffer many things, where he is going to be handed into the hands of men and be rejected by the Jewish Sanhedrin. He will be killed. And on the third day, he will rise again. So when Jesus asked the disciples in our text, what were you discussing on the way? Jesus has a self-conscious understanding of the entire, the entire history of revelation and redemption in his own person. This way is going to, is going only in one straight direction. Jesus's way is going only in one straight direction. The cross, resurrection, glory. The cross, resurrection, glory. That direction is very straight, crafted by the sovereign plan of his Father from the beginning of the creation. And what are the disciples doing on the way? Can we say, like Israel of old, they are grumbling. <laughs> they are arguing about who is the greatest. <laughs> Hence, Jesus takes them aside and tells them that the way of redemption is that the first will be last. The way of salvation is servanthood to others. 
The way of salvation is to see Christ's person in the child he takes in his arms. Reception into Jesus Christ is dependent upon a faith union with the humblest expression of servanthood to others. Christ's willingness to be killed, crucified, to reckon sinful humanity to his Father in heaven is incomprehensible to the sinful mind and heart. Christ's death does not make sense to the unbeliever at all. No wonder the early Christians referred to themselves as the way. The way in Christ has now become complete. Yes, indeed, it has. After all, God the Father has decreed and mapped out in his covenant of grace Throughout the entire history of revelation, the way of redemption fulfilled in his son. Hence, when we receive Christ into our hearts, we are receiving the plan of the way of salvation mapped out by God the Father throughout history since the fall of Adam into sin. Now, now congregation are the words of God the Father given to Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration ringing in your ears. If you wish, look back at 9-7. Look back at 9-7. Are the words of our God ringing in your ears conveyed to Peter, James, and John. This is my beloved son. Listen. Listen to him. Do you remember what God said to Israel? In Exodus 23, I referred that to you. Listen, he said, listen to the angel. My name is in him, the pre-incarnate Christ. Who will go ahead of them? And what happened? They failed to listen. I ask you this morning, are you receiving the Father who sent his Son? Are you listening to Christ? Are you listening to Jesus? Our covenant Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has declared to you I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Let's pray.
Our Lord and our God, we do see in our text the disciples are still struggling. But our Savior knows where he is going. He knows and has set his heart, his mind upon the path of your sovereign decree for him. He's going to the cross. He will be resurrected. He will be glorified for his beloved children, for his church. O oh Lord, his way is straight. His way is holy and righteous on our behalf. We thank thee, O Heavenly Father, for sending him. And may our hearts through thy spirit confess that the Lord Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life all the days of our life. In Christ's name, amen.